I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 22. What's up, there, everybody? So excited to do that. It's my season tradition. Every and time. You know what? It's. It's actually kind of appropriate because it's because like about a week since Taylor's version of Red was re-released. Yeah, and by about so a week, like you that mean actually, like a month, but that's fine. No, when this gets released, yeah, a, a month. Well, when this gets released, I'm saying when we're from when we're recording it. Yeah, we have to stay topical though. Yeah, fair enough. So a month but ago, did you listen to it, Pat? Of course, did you I listen did. To I listened Taylor's to it version all the way of Red. Through. It's phenomenal. Come it's on. so good. It's phenomenal. The ten version of All Too Well is reasons. just amazing. Obviously, we know the phenomenon of Taylor Swift of herself. There's also the phenomenon of her just repeatedly just sticking it to Scooter Braun and yeah. all of the, like, ugh, such a power move. I hope to one Agreed. day be able to make a power move that strong. Ever. I agree. Just ever. Yeah. But that's not who we're doing today. Shockingly enough, we are not covering Taylor yeah, Swift again. Not, not again. Um, but this is season three, episode 22. Uh, welcome in, everybody, all you totem heads, you, you, to- you, to- you toes. No, no, we got it. It's totem heads. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. We can't relitigate this every week, Patrick. They're totem heads. I think we should, though. Um, no. Uh, I'm Pat. We've said it. I'm Pat. I am Nick. I'm Alex. Hey, there he is. We've missed you. We've had people asking about you. And by people, I mean Tucker, my dog. Yeah, yeah that sounds well, about right. He's a, he's a great dog, and he, he uh, knows knows who, who to miss. That's true. He <laughs> absolutely hated yeah, the, person the artist not this week, though. <laughs> yeah, Just, yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, we'll, I'm sure. We will talk about that because it was hilarious, right? Um, but Nick, why don't yeah. you tell us about the artist we're doing, and then we'll do, oh, do a well, little housekeeping before we get into it. I would love to. So this week we're going to kick things off with the Lumineers. We're going to do Jack Johnson, and we're also going to do Rage Against the Machine. So yeah, you know, pretty much all sitting within the same genre this week for a change. Oh yeah, three of the same <laughs> artist for sure. Absolutely. Uh, but some housekeeping stuff as we've been doing this season. Um, we are kind of petitioning our audience here for some word of mouth spreading of of our of our message of Totem Talks. Um, hopefully you have all done that. Um, I haven't seen too many sandwich boards walking up and down the street, but that's okay. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> um, but word of mouth is one of the best ways to spread uh, news about a smaller podcast. Um, or, you know, we're, we're potentially, potentially maybe seeing if we can get anybody on the show. That would be cool. Sure. Maybe, probably not one of the acts we've done, not yet, anyway. <laughs> no, not yet. Um, unless Tom Morello is available. He might be. Because we could talk sure to him about busy. multiple artists that we've done. Because we will, we'll eventually we're hit the six degrees button. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, that's so just word of mouth, uh, spread the news. Anybody that's into music that you think would be like into this or anybody that's into stupidity because we are full of it. We are all that's very correct. the big dumb. <laughs> and, that does explain a lot. Yes. And uh, so or anybody who just works and listens to podcasts all day. That's a definitively one of our fans. Sure. Um, <laughs> that's pretty much or anybody that. who just wants to put the podcast on and just let it play and don't even have to listen to it. Yeah, that's totally fine, too. Well, we that's so well. we want you to listen to it. That's for after you've done listening to it. Just always have a dedicated electronic device playing it in the background. Absolutely. That's and what we you, want. If you want to take a break from that, you can also play on repeat our album Lifetime Left to Go. That's true, um, which is on all popular streaming platforms. It is uh, eight of the greatest songs ever written as far as uh, um, I, one magazine said that once, I think. 
I, I yes, can't quote. Pat also I can't, produces a magazine. Yes, I, I do. It's my zine, guys. Yes, it's my blog spot. Uh, <laughs> All right, move, move on. Move yeah, on. no, that's pretty much it. Um, the last thing is, if you guys are really enjoying the show, we do offer listener support. It's a uh, basically like a monthly subscription kind of thing to keep the lights on, um, which we've discussed having trouble with uh, lately. Our equipment just absolutely yes. dropping just and off. failing and hating me. Correct. I will say I'm I'm staring at it now, and so far so good. Well, so much well, for this. Now episode. that you just talked about it, <laughs> well, and, I would knock on wood, but I'm afraid that that will ruin it because the wood is the table that it's on. You're making right. the mixer feel bad, Pat. You got to make it feel good about itself. Oh, mixer, I love you so much. Okay, there you go. Uh, <laughs> so, so anyway, who are the Lumineers? Yes. Uh, so the Lumineers, uh, they're a band, and they do band stuff. Uh, they're an American folk rock band. They're from Denver, Colorado, and uh, that's pretty much it. They were from. They've been founded since 2005. That's not how that sentence is supposed to go. But they were present. They've just from... been getting founded over and over again since 2005. <laughs> they were, they've been active from 2005 until the present day, and they have released three albums with a fourth album on the way, but not right. out yet. Right. Yes. And the three albums. January that... 2022. Yes, which is just it's just far enough away that you know we're we're not going to even discuss it. It doesn't exist. But what does exist is is uh, the three albums, which are The Lumineers, which came out in 2012. So that's a little interesting to me. We'll go right off of that. Active since 2005, seven full years to produce their first album. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, which, I mean, that I guess that happens. It's not unheard of, but whatever. Um, then we did Cleopatra from 2016. And then three from 2019. Which really, yeah. I mean, three for the third album. Very, very Honestly, comforting to bold. me. <laughs> Super bold. Well, I'm just saying, like, there's another pretty famous album that's called Three, and it's Led Zeppelin Three. Yes, but that so, was like, Led you know, Zeppelin Three. A, true, this is Lumineers Three. Yeah, so totally different. An L band with three after yeah. it, different. Right. Um, and who wants to go first? Who wants to? Who wants to chat it up? Who wants to Lumineer? Well, Alex has put his no finger on his nose, and I assume you would like to stop talking, so I'll go first. Pat. Yes, I would like that. Thank you. Um, and so get this out of the way: the first big hit uh, for them that really puts them on the map, Hohe, is on this album. I'm yeah. sure that you have heard it. Like the odds are really good. Oh, you've uh, that heard you've it. You've heard it. Uh, and it's a very critically well received album. Um, and it's good. I really liked it. Um, it's an interesting like Americana folk type style that they've got where pretty much every member of the band is credited for like five or six different instruments, which I yeah. think is uh, a pretty interesting approach to the way that they wrote and recorded these songs. Um, and I like it. It's kind of it's it's almost feels like informal in a way that it's it's hard to describe exactly sure. what i'm looking for like almost like this could be like a group of folk musicians getting together uh like in a room at a party and playing these songs um the way that they're doing i'm it. glad you mentioned that because i have something to say on that as well yeah okay and i and i really enjoy that aspect of it i think maybe if i was gonna um take take a a knockdown on it, it would be that the vocals aren't particularly good on this album they're not bad they're not like you know I'm upset by them, but they're not particularly good. But I do think they're emotional. I think they were yeah. genuinely emotional. 
um, which helps to make up for some of the lack of talent. Um, and with that vocal comparison aside, I put in my notes that they're sort of like a very folky version of group love uh, in like the indie style uh, yeah, okay. of to their music. Um, and shout out to Nayla Pekarik. Lovely use of the cello on this album. She played it really beautifully. Sure. I would, have, I would have pronounced that Nala because of Lion King. But that's but just it was me. spelled N E Y L A. So yeah, but I just like Nala. Okay, <laughs> that's fine then. No, Nala is absolutely the correct correct pronunciation. But I just thought of Lion King when you said that. Fair enough. Because of the age I am, Lion King was the first movie I saw in theaters. That makes sense. Alex. Finding Nemo was my first movie that I saw in theaters. Yeah, of course it oh is. My you oh my god! Oh my god! And I got uh, scared at the uh, shark scene. Oh, but they're I friends. Remember, I remember crying no but he was fu- he was huge <laughs> is that what you screen. thought in 2003 you're just dropping oh, my. bombs in your head <laughs> yeah i did no but i was at the amc in the chamonix and it's in their big theater yeah where it's like the screens the size of you know somebody's house yep and the shark comes up and i was terrified petrified horrified i get it um much like i was with this album no i'm kidding uh but no i i, I thought this album was fine um, I thought, you know, there was a lot of good stuff about the album. I thought the instrumentation was really good. I thought that um, the way of songwriting that they do is really good. Um, but then it starts to get old. And, you know, you listen to the whole album of it, and it's just kind of, you want maybe a little bit more variety that that you're not getting. And I don't know, you know, how much the genre lends itself to variety, but it, it's it starts to get a little bit, of a chore to get through the entire thing because every song's kind of starting to blend in between um, themselves. Um, but I thought, you know, that the songwriting and, and I, I, of what I listened to, the lyricism is pretty good. Um, but sometimes the lyrics are also bad. Um, but I think that overall it was a good listen. I don't know. It's one of those things where the album is good to listen to for songs. Like I'll listen to ho hey i'll listen to um stubborn love and you know it'll be fine but i won't listen to the whole album again okay fair fair enough uh so i i fall a little bit in the middle of the two of you um mostly very enjoyable stuff um the recording of it just the recording of it and i guess the genre reminded me very heavily of the fleet foxes like, I yeah, got that, yeah. like, we're all in a warehouse and there's a single microphone right. vibe. Very spacey. Yeah. And it felt very natural. Um, I definitely could get that feel. That's clearly what they were going for, and it sounded good in terms of the recording. I also did really enjoy a lot of the lyrics. Um, I thought they had they had that folk style down where there's multiple levels. So there's, like the main level of just the imagery of the song, and then there's also that underlying meaning. Most folk artists do that, and they do a very good job of it, and uh, and the Lumineers are no different. Uh, I do agree with Nick. The, lo- the, the vocals are lacking. Um, very, like, not screamy. That's not what I mean, but very, like in, the, in that stress part of the voice. Yeah, I guess yeah, that's the, I so he's not like yelling or screaming like we'll get to that later, um, but it's in that part of your voice where it sounds stressed and strained all the way through and a lot of this stuff. And then I agree with Alex. I did get a lot of the Fleet Foxes with the folk and the recording and stuff, but what made the Fleet Foxes super interesting all the way through the Lumineers don't have, which is 
multi-layered vocals and like sure. dynamic instrumentation building throughout. It was all very stripped down. That's what they were going for. So very good on individual songs, a little bit of a schlag all the way through the 11th tracks. Um, I did also listen to the Talking Heads cover. I thought um, from I did the not. deluxe edition. Um, I had to because of my opinion on the Talking Heads. Right. And I could take or leave either version of that song. Fair enough. That's. <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe it'll be better and I'll talk about how it's better. Or maybe the Talking Heads will be better. But they were both or just. Or maybe they won't yeah. be better than each other and you'll talk about it anyway. Yeah, of course. Well, I have to. Um, but I will now take us into Cleopatra. Uh, so we've we've moved on. Uh, obviously, you know, it's a little bit different when it's the only three uh, albums because the first album is their most successful. <laughs> so right. we're not hitting album two and reaching their zenith as far as I'm concerned. Although, to be fair, Ophelia is their biggest selling single by yes, quite a bit. that is true. Shocked that it beat uh, Oh Hey. I mean... Sure, it's a great song, though. Yeah, it's a, but I'm just, I mean, when I think of the Lumineers, that song jumps directly into my head more than Ophelia. I wonder if it's an age thing for us. Maybe. Yeah. Um, do you know? Because I what, wondered the same thing. I wondered the same thing, but I knew Ophelia. Oh, I knew Ophelia too, but Alex, you're 15, 1600 years younger than us. Um, which song would you associate more with the Lumineers? Uh, honestly, it's uh, neither. It's Gloria off their most recent album. Just kidding. It's Hohei. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I get well it because you're well an done. infant. Um, yeah. It's, it's actually their next uh, The album. one on the new album that hasn't <laughs> yeah. come out yet. Yeah. 100%. That's how young I am. Uh, okay. So I think that they got a lot better in places. The The biggest negative I'm going to jump off the bat with, they tried a similar recording style here. The warehousey, spacey feel. But for some reason, I don't know what changed. All of the natural aspect of it sound is, is gone. It does not sound natural anymore. It sounds very forced and very like edited in. I don't know why. I don't know. I can't. I can't tell you the exact reason why. I'm assuming it just has to do with the mix of it. And obviously, I don't think either time they were just in a warehouse with a microphone. I'm assuming they were in a studio sure, both yeah, times. So I, I can only assume that it is the mixing and mastering that just for some reason on these makes it sound so much less spacey and and echoey and all that the reverb and it just kind of sounds generated mostly on the vocals and maybe that's why maybe it's he too heavy on the vocals and not heavy enough on the instruments uh vocally they did improve mm -hmm. uh so i agree yeah so west did improve now he's a he's a stronger singer it's it's still not great i mean he's never going to be a great singer but uh, it didn't ever take me out of the songs. He sounds like he's not singing as much from that stress spot that I mentioned in the first yeah, album. Right. Uh, and the the writing and the lyrics all are still relatively strong. Uh, I didn't notice any that were really cringy or weak. They do the double layer folk thing that is mm -hmm. pretty consistent in good folk, which this is. It's good folk. I don't think this is going to be. You know, it's not. It's not breaking any barriers. But it's comfortably in its genre, Americana folk, yeah, and sure. it nails it. Yeah, no, I agree. This was a strong album to me. Uh, and like you're saying, while in terms of their style, not much has changed. In terms of their ability to write and comfortability with writing songs, they have improved. Yeah. Like, this is an album of better songs front to back 
that I think are, you know, more well orchestrated and and not that they were bad on the first one, uh, but this is where they're really starting to hit their stride and and really becoming comfortable in who they are. Uh, and and that's good. That's exactly what you want to see as a band like honing their craft as they go on and becoming better writers. So uh, that was definitely a major positive for me. Uh, and they also ha- threw an instrumental in at the end, uh, Impatience, which I thought was fantastic. Uh, I was really a big fan of that. But, well, I mean, I could pretty much highlight almost all the tracks on here. Like uh, Gun Song, Angelo was a really good one, too. I mean, I, I really like this album a lot. I think that it was definitely just evidence of a, a strong folk Americana band going in the right direction. Sure. At this point, I'm kind of like anticipating them being the type of musicians who get better with age who just continue to do and uh, do things a little bit better a little bit more strongly uh, and learn from each album and and grow with it okay i i can respect that all right alex we're ready for you uh i thought it was like a little bit more varied in this one um but i i definitely think that it kind of suffered from the the same sameness that i was talking about um where it's just kind of it just all feels you know like you can listen to only like two songs and then it just all starts to feel very similar to each other um, it's just hard to stay engaged with it when their music's not as engaging. Um, but I think, you know, th- the instrumentation is good. I think they're good songwriters. It's just not my, I, like, I think this whole thing, it's just, it's not my genre. And I'm not really going to have much positive to say about it because it's just, I, I'm not really that interested in it. That's all I really have okay. to say about okay. it. Okay. I mean, fair well, enough. What about three? What about three? Oh, well, man. Real quick, actually, real a, quick, I'm curious. Yeah. Neither right. of you had that, um, issue with the recording the, the that i had with the the echoiness i i didn't notice no. okay. i didn't notice it either i, was just I mean curious. i think that that was just kind of yeah. the, their style i think that that kind of like i well no it's definitely their style like i just that, i didn't know if you guys were struck by i wasn't the difference. i wasn't bugged by it it didn't stand out to me in a yeah. way that okay. i made okay. note of Fair I mean, enough. the whole, the, the whole, all the songs kind of just bored me. So I don't know if it would have been that noticeable for <laughs> Interesting. me. Interesting. That's wild. I, I, I yeah, right. that is wild. I thought they were really good songs. All right, but I, go thought, ahead. I mean, like I thought they, they, they got. Too, you forget too Alex much. is um, deaf. He's only he, when it's not loud. He only hears every third note. True. Yeah, I'm only hearing like muddled messes <laughs> of just like it sounds like somebody's just banging a drum over and over. Right. Again. It's really weird. Um, three. So this is their most recent album uh, that has come out, uh, aptly named their third album, uh, came out in 2019. And you're going to be uh, shocked to hear that I wasn't that big of a fan. I actually thought this album was a little bit worse. Um, and I think that a lot of the the only thing, the reason why I think that is because the first song, Donna, was really weird to me. Okay. And the lyrics weren't that good in it. And I wasn't that big of a fan. And then the the entire rest of the album just kind of felt, you know, the same. But like okay. it, some like sometimes they can write really nice lyrics and then sometimes they write real stinkers. Like really? one of the lyrics they wrote was like her husband loved computers. And I'm like, okay. Okay. Her mother was not one. And okay. I don't know. It just feels weird to me. I don't like them. All right. Well, l- because you're talking about that that lyrical stuff, I want to address like the theme of the album. Which was essential. The theme of the album was dealing with the effects of addiction, uh, and like specifically them dealing with like loved ones who were dealing with those issues. Uh, And the band at this point is just Schultz and Jeremiah Freights, and they specifically cited uh, Wesley Schultz's really good friend 
Josh Freights, who is the brother of Jeremiah Freights, as like the inspiration behind all the emotions that went into writing this album. And I thought it was, again, an improvement. And this band went from good to very good to I thought this album was great. Like, it opened with Donna, which I thought was a beautiful piano song and something very different from what we were getting on the first two records that I thought showed real growth for them. Uh, I mean, this was where it became incredibly powerful emotional songwriting to me. Like, this is when I started to really feel it um, compared to the other two where I was, like, more interested in the orchestration of the songs. Now I was really getting myself involved in the emotion of the songs. Uh, and I felt like every part of the writing just gets better uh, as each album went. I loved pretty much every second of the record. Um, and I thought particularly the song Jimmy Sparks was pretty much like the highlight to me as that's about as good as this genre can be uh, in every like in every aspect of the song from the, the lyrics to the performance to the instrumentation. Like it's pretty much peak folk Americana. So I thought this album was phenomenal. Okay. Well, now now I have to figure out who I agree with. Right. <laughs> um and I do definitively agree with one of you. Uh let that be let that be known and uh it's Nick. I absolutely I loved this album. Yeah, it's I great. <laughs> so I I gave my opinions from the second album as I felt them after the second album. You know, mm -hmm. this is a good band, good not great, probably never going to be great, you know, fitting comfortably within their genre. Blah blah blah, and I st and all of that is true for where they were at that point, and they absolutely subverted my expectations here. I mean, the the theme of this album comes across so strongly to me. I could see what it was. I could see what was happening and hear what was happening before I did my research, mm -hmm. which is not typical. It doesn't happen that often in music. You know, like it just doesn't. A lot of times, like the artist has a clear picture of what they mean. And it doesn't come across in the songs, and you have to. And once you read about it, it clicks. Sure. I could. The only thing that I didn't quite understand in the in the initial listen was that it was telling the story from three different family members' perspectives. So the the quote unquote Sparks mm. family, which is the fictional sure. family in this. Um. So Donna is from a perspective, and Jimmy Sparks is from a perspective, and each each they separate it into three different families' perspectives or th family members' perspectives as they go. But uh, I completely agree with you, Nick. I think um, at this point, the vocals are as good as they're probably going to get. Yeah. Um, which is good plus. That's sure. I, mean, I mean, we're not going to hit great on the vocals. Good plus on the vocals. All of the instrumentation, though, absolutely beautiful. Um, they do incorporate some different um, words. <laughs> so, no, some different... Uh, yes, there are different <laughs> words throughout the album. <laughs> some different elements, um, including some different backing vocals. I believe there was yodeling at one point. Um, there was some interesting things happening all throughout. And the songwriting to me was one of those things where they tried very, very carefully and accurately to depict the problems of addiction, but come at them from a normal way using normal stripped down uh, vocals, stripped mm -hmm. down lyrics. They weren't they weren't as flowery as they had been in the past to me. They right. were much more straightforward. Which is, just, which is crazy to me it's that good. you didn't like it, Alex, because I was about to compare the writing to Ben Folds. Mm-hmm. In terms of worse. in terms of very like, straightforward, very you know nonchalant writing about very serious topics. That's no, the vibe. Yeah, that but I then got. it started to get like online rhyming dictionary kind of stuff. I guess I didn't. I All didn't right. have that. I issue. didn't have that problem either. Yeah, I did. You're the only one. Okay. 
That's I mean, you're entitled to your opinion. We'll of just course. Judge you for it slowly. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, then that's I all think I got. We've said our piece. So let's talk scores. Okay. So the Lumineers are a band. They are they a band. They have a couple of pretty big hits in Ho Hey and Ophelia. Yes. Although uh, Stubborn Love also was a platinum single for them. Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and they had a couple that went platinum in, in uh, Canada. Yes. So there's that. So what Canada's is real. That's like That's like four <laughs> meese and a, and a cup of Tim Hortons. That's right. Um, does I don't does know, one does Tim Hortons us? in cups? I thought that was like a donut place. Uh, Tim Hortons is coffee. Is it not well, donuts? Dunkin' Donuts for it's us. Donuts. It, I mean, oh, it does both, donuts. but... So it's like Dunkin'. It's like Dunkin' Donuts doesn't all, they don't serve coffee. No, it's but just donuts. Yeah. Well, just uh, it's listen. not called Dunkin' Coffee. <laughs> no, now it's just called Dunkin' because too many people had said that. Yeah. Too many people right. were actually really like you just were in farce. Right. Of course, that was the problem. Okay. Cultural impact. Yeah. Cultural impact. <laughs> Where are I we mean, at? It can't be too high. They're a relatively it, recent band from the mid two thousands. Their first album didn't come out until the twenty tens. Uh, some interesting stuff. I mean, they did have uh, The Lumineers, the debut album, was ranked the 55th album of the decade on okay. Billboard's 200. So that's, you know, they, they're they reaching. I mean, look, I mean, they are selling records around the world. They're yeah. charting around the world. They've never had a record outside of the top two in the U.S. <laughs> that is correct, which is so. very, I mean, they're definitely not a flash in the pan. But it's hard. Right. To, it's hard to gauge how sustained the fire is. Right. I'd be willing to give them like in between a two and a half and a three. I was thinking around a two and a half myself. Two and a half is good. Two okay. and a half it is. Uh, Breath of work. We've already talked about it. Again, we talked about the charting. We talked about the sales. There are three records. So to me, it's two and a half from the three records, and they get a little bit of bump from their sales. They get a little bit of bump from their quality. Um, and then where it's just a matter of how much. Yeah, I was probably it. thinking in the low threes. As was I, like a three-two, three-three range. You read my mind, so I tend to uh, three-two is where I'll go with that. We'll sure, sure. Put a pin in that and think about it next time we're close. Uh, instrumental talent. I'll say this: it didn't really put me in the moment. Instrumental talent at any time, but it didn't really take me out of the moment either. No. So. I'm I'm like right I hang tend to hang around the middle on something like this. The only thing that would make me think one way or the other is the fact that pretty much everyone who's been a part of the band at some point and it we didn't mention it but there were five members originally then just three and then only Freights and Schultz by the end. Yeah. They well, all seem the, to play many now. different instruments. Yeah. So if you want to give like multi-instrumentalist points that's a a, a thing. But otherwise, yeah. I'd be around a five. Um, I'd be willing to give them some multi-instrumentalist points and then kind of even that out with the lackluster vocals as they started and sure. kind of still so sit on that five. Five it is, unless anyone disagrees. Alex, okay. nodding doesn't work in an audio yeah. format. <laughs> That's why That's I said okay. no. Yeah. I don't disagree. Um, songwriting talent to me is pretty strong. I think it's something that they improved upon with every record, which is sure. something I am looking for here. Um, however, there are only three records. This is a band that I would say with six records is definitively like a few points above average to me. But yeah. with three records, they are not quite. No, but the question is, at three records, where do we put them? Because here's here's the thing. If three records is half of average, 
we would assume that wherever we were going to put them with six records, we would cut in half, assuming the quality maintains. Uh, give Roughly. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's definitely a little bit of a... It's an inexact science, what yeah. we do here. But yeah, that's, that's a good thought. Um, I mean, it would still probably put me in the three and a half to four range. I really um, loved the instrumentation of these tracks, and I and I love the progression of them as band, especially the third record, uh, taking them to a new place. Sure. Uh, how about this? We we kind of we we didn't skimp them on an earlier one, but we went down one. So let's True. give them a, like a three seven. I have no issues in with the that. three and a half to four range. I would probably lean a three six. We'll give them a three seven yeah. as to even that out because I, yeah. they're worth it. Right. And now I know Alex doesn't agree, but I think you and I would both say that we were much more impressed than not with the the poetic talent here. Very true. Yeah. I think so I, I think again would have thought they were genre, a strong artist. Yeah. Yeah. I think that they would have performed adequately like maybe adequate with a little extra for the first two albums in terms of just simple folk with a deeper mm-hmm. meaning underneath. Yeah. And then I think you throw in the the third album and it's very, very distinct message and deeper meaning. I'm I'm pretty high on this. Like we have to kind of wait. We have to kind of mitigate it a little bit for the number of albums. But correct. If they keep this up, like if Brightside comes out in January and it's anything close to the writing quality of three, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to come back and talk about them later. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I would be at least around where we're at for songwriting talent. At least I would be higher. Yeah, I uh, would I would consider going into the fours as well. Yeah, I'd be probably at like a four one, which is astronomical for only a three three album band. Yeah. Now, Alex, I know you weren't you weren't crazy about it. Do you want to talk it down from a four one at all? No. Okay. Fair enough. All right. You guys got it. Uh and then was there X Factor here that I missed? I don't think so. I mean, I don't think I just think they're still kind of new on the scene in terms of like I know it's been sixteen years, but Sure. Uh, they haven't really, from what I was reading about, they haven't struck like struck something that would be an X factor for me. You know, they're not in any halls of fame. They haven't yeah, had any. Right. You know, they haven't had any terrible tragedies. Thankfully, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's good. It's a good thing, but um, right. they haven't they haven't won any Grammys or achievements in terms of that stuff. Yeah, I get. They you. got nominated twice but didn't win. All right. Well, then let's just roll right along to Jack Johnson. All right, Jack. Hody Johnson is an American singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, actor, record producer, documentary filmmaker, and former professional surfer. Wow. (laughs) What a resume. Yeah, he's a storied, storied man. Uh, He has been active uh, since 1992, uh, which is interesting to me because of when his album started coming out. Yeah, right. (laughs) <laughs> um, well, who knows what he was doing in 1992? He could have been doing, you know, the professional surfing. Yeah, stuff. Yeah, that has to have that. been when he was a professional surfer. Um, but we covered yeah. three of Jack's albums. We started with his debut, Brushfire Fairy Tales, which came out in 2001. We then went to In Between Dreams, which came out in 2005, and then we did All the Light Above It Two, which came out in 2017. Yes, and uh, I guess I'll go first. Fantastic. Because I know Alex is going to want to go first in the last band. I can feel it in his bones. Oh, what? That's yeah. it. He that's what he was shooting for the whole time, as he knows goes on the first one. Yeah, right. Uh so Jack Johnson, <laughs> second artist in a row that's folk rock. Yeah. Um, this is like the other end of folk, though. So like, this is like island folk. 
Yeah, I was not <laughs> like I didn't know that he was Hawaiian until this week, but upon hearing it, I was like, yeah, yeah. of course he is. Though he's definitely Hawaiian. Everything has that quality about it. Can um, tell by his name. <laughs> yeah, Jack Johnson. <laughs> yeah, I for know. Sure. Jack Johnson's very clearly Hawaiian. Uh, but listen, I think that he is an interesting songwriter. Um, yet again, he's a better vocalist than the Lumineers, so let's get that out of the way. But he's not he's never trying to be a great vocalist. Everything just no, kind of sits way. in that pocket, like just above speech. Yeah. But like very relaxing. And I think that you could very easily listen to, you know, listen to Jack Johnson's songs and kind of fall into like sipping a pina colada on the beach and just kind of chilling out. Um, but I think you'd be doing yourself a little bit of a disservice because I think he's actually a pretty deep songwriter, which I, I agree. wouldn't have guessed thinking of a lot of the songs that I've heard him do. You know, like when I think of Jack Johnson, I think of basically two songs. I think of Flake and I think of Banana Pancakes. Sure. Um, which we'll get to Banana Pancakes. And Upside album. Down, the Curious George song. Upside Down is a great, <laughs> great one, too. That's true. You're 100% right, but there's not a lot of depth in that one either. Um, and I don't hear a ton of depth in Flake. I mean, I know, uh, Nick, you perform Flake um, as an acoustic band. Yeah, oh, band. I love it. It's a great song. It is a great song. I don't think it's poorly written. No. It's just not like... I think it's well written for what it is. Yes, but I think that... I wouldn't have expected some of the lyrical depth to come from Jack Johnson that we received. Um, however, there are some missteps. Uh, I don't particularly love the song Sexy Plexi. Uh, didn't really strike me. It was a little a little weird. Um, but there was a song called The News that I thought was a lot deeper than I would give it credit for, just based on the, mm-hmm. the sonic sound of it. Uh, sure. The lyrics are pretty deep, and obviously you can kind of guess what they're about with the title. <laughs> It's all about how the news is kind of bad. Yeah. Uh, but all the way through, I enjoyed it. Um, and I enjoyed that little surprise that I got from expecting one thing of of who Jack Johnson was and getting this Jack Johnson. Sure. Al, why don't you go? I will. I thought Jack Johnson was good. Your turn, Nick. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, one thing I'm going to praise Jack Johnson for. I think that he's a very tasteful guitar player. Totally. Not like, you know, he's never going to wow you. He's never going to try to, you know, do something he can't. But, like, whenever he takes a solo, it's just like, oh, this is a nice little solo. Very melodic. Very And, and uh, outside of his solos, I think he has a re- really nice rhythmic way of playing mm-hmm. that is great. And I thought that the songs on this album were good. I like Flake because, you know, I always hear Nick sing it. It reminds me of Nick and being with the band. <laughs> Um, and I think that this is kind of a, a the other side of Lumineers, like Pat said. But I think it's a little bit better. You're getting a little bit more variety, just because I think the the band can do a little bit more variety. I think Lumineers, sure. their instrumentation and style don't like lend themselves to like being that much varied. Whereas with with this, you can you know have the kind of more upbeat songs. You can have the more somber songs. You can have the faster, the slower, and and it works. And yeah. that's my take. All right, good. Um, you kind of talked about a few of the things that I wanted to, so I'll start by saying one thing that we haven't mentioned because we've all we've each talked about Flake, but no one has mentioned that Ben Harper is actually featured on that. He's the one who plays the slide guitar. Who? Ben Harper. Who? Okay, fair enough. I guess that it doesn't matter to you, so I'll, I'll just be the only one who cares. Um, <laughs> what I did he, also. What did he do? You got to tell me who he is. He he 
is his own person, like Ben Harper and the Innocent Criminals or his, his band. And, well, we'll know. cover them on the podcast at some point. Um, yeah, he's like pretty famous, anyway. man. Multi-Grammy Awards. Yeah, kinda, I, I know. Big deal. <laughs> Never I heard know. of him. Yeah, okay, that's fine. Well, it's because um, he's mostly, he, he fits in that folk rock, which Alex is yeah, bored by. Exactly. As he proclaimed yeah. earlier. Right. But uh, I also really enjoyed this album. Um, I agree that like Jack Johnson is sneakily a very good guitarist in a way that you might not notice unless you're really listening for it. Um, and speaking of his guitar playing particularly, one thing that started on the third track posters and continued uh, occasionally throughout the album was something I'd never heard from Jack Johnson before with like five or six songs that I knew, which was electric guitar. And as soon as he breaks out the electric guitar, there was one influence that was incredibly clear. I don't know if you guys heard it, but it was obviously like he's clearly a big Hendrix fan. Like Hendrix, you know is what? I wouldn't have put that together, but hearing you say that, it it rings a bell to me. Yeah, like ever the second he would like play a because mostly what he plays is acoustic, like bluesy, bluesy yeah. stuff. And the second he starts putting together riffs on his electric guitar, I'm like, oh, this is a guy who really likes Hendrix, which of course because he's Hendrix. Um, but I thought that was just kind of an interesting and unexpected twist to this album, which is otherwise mostly very acoustic. Uh, he knew what he wanted his identity to be, and he rolled with that identity here. Uh, yeah. But it was nice to see him try like a few other things sprinkled throughout. Uh, so I'll just roll right into In Between Dreams. So this one was definitely one where I was much more familiar with a couple of the songs. Better Together being a big hit. Banana Pancakes being a big hit. Uh, Good People. Staple It Together, which... I love Staple It Together. He gets a little bit funkier on that song than he does with a lot of the rest of his repertoire. Um, it was definitely one of the songs that was one of my favorite Jack Johnsons coming in. Um, now is where I'm also starting to like have the lyrical stuff stand out to me quite a bit. Sure. Good People being the first song on this record where it's like really super clear in your face. Um, really good. Like I think all of a sudden, just like Pat said on the first album, in the second album, I was like, oh, you know, I really never thought about Jack Johnson as a lyricist, but he's a really good lyricist. Like, he is saying some stuff. Like, he's got a message, and he is he is pushing it, and he's not doing it in a way like we've mentioned that sometimes people can just be, like, saying something important but doing it in a cheesy way or, like, espousing certain beliefs, like, whether you agree or disagree with them, but doing it in a way it's like, you know, I'm inclined to agree with you, but I wish you didn't write it like that. That's not a problem here because Jack Johnson like writes about it very well, I think. Um, yeah. And then uh, the one song, one of the songs I thought was like very different on the record was Bell, which was just, it's less than two minutes, but it was a nice little, uh, I felt like I was sitting in a French bistro was the vibe that I got from that little song. Um, but that's all I'm going to say. Uh, definitely a very good album for me, a strong follow-up to a record that we like, generally speaking. Uh, sure. Uh, I guess I'll... I'll go next, and I I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Uh, I I had some issues throughout, not anything crazy. I just felt like there were some tracks that kind of missed, and I mean that's that's okay. I mean I don't have to like every single track, sure. and I think that most of them are really strong. Um, Good people, as you mentioned is one of those big track with a message kind of things, very similar to the news as I mentioned the first album. Um, it's it's one of those things where there's a dichotomy in this album. I think that basically what happened here for me was he kind of 
gave us a glimpse of who he was. A little bit mm-hmm. in the first track, in the first album with the news, definitely on this one with Good People, and even better together as well. And then I think the ones that don't live up to that lyrically, um, and that maybe don't experiment as much instrumentally, just felt super flat in comparison to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's a little bit of a trouble. I think If I Could was one of those for me. It just sure. felt yeah. there. Where it's like, I get that. You know, if if all of a sudden you show me you're capable of the A plus, I don't necessarily want to see the B minus again. You know, yeah. like yeah. I, all I of a sudden that. you're being graded on a curve now, mm-hmm. and like you showed me more than that. Um, but for the most part, all very enjoyable. Um, Banana pancakes. I mean, that's that's the one where he kind of stays in the pocket and it's just fun. Um, yeah. and he does that a lot. Like a lot of these songs are fun, and then a lot of these songs have a distinct strong message and i think that uh he does a good job of kind of blending them i just think that when he doesn't experiment or push the envelope it gets a little boring now because that's kind of all you hear about jack johnson is the parts that aren't the other stuff yeah fun fun fact about banana pancakes from what i can tell it actually wasn't even released as a single but still sold more as a single (laughs) um than any of his others went platinum yeah that's interesting yeah, I just remember when he first came out, or when he first kind of hit like big, because he, I mean, he, obviously this album came out in two thousand five, but it didn't five. really hit the uh, the kind of cultural zeitgeist from where I was and from where we were until like right around senior year. This album had that like a re- right. it had like a renaissance, which would have been when? Yeah. when when was senior year two thousand ten twenty ten uh, I was ten. Yeah, I know yeah, you're yeah, a baby. Yeah, that's all. That's all I wanted to say. I know. Just yeah. talk about this album and go away, Alex. Uh, all right, I thought this album was good. Now I will go away. Oh, all right, well, why? <laughs> I wish he left good? the call. That would have been a baller move. It was. Now, uh, I, so, okay. I enjoyed this album. Mm. I think Jack Johnson's great. What's the but? But he plays an acoustic guitar and sings quietly, so I hate him. He starts to get a little repetitive sometimes. Oh, man. It starts See, to, here's the thing, here's the thing, and this is this is why. I'm working when I'm listening to these songs. Yes, yeah, I'm doing hard work. Okay, no, you're not, but same. I'm listening passively mm-hmm. a little bit. You're just and admitting so that we, you don't take your job seriously. Either of them. I take. What do you mean? I take my job seriously. I I work so hard that I my eardrums quit. I'm saying you. You're saying you don't take either job seriously. You're passively listening to your duty for the podcast. But then also you're uh, just you said duty. listening to music during work. You said duty. You're yeah, just, I am. You're just bad on both fronts. <sighs> you're not going to come out of here looking good now. Don't get me fired. Please. This is the okay. only thing you can say to redeem That's yourself. Fine. I have a two-inch micropenis. I, yep, I just said that. <laughs> All right, um, perfect. Clearly but I voice. think, like, you know, I think he just, I, it starts to feel, like, just a little bit repetitive. I like how he writes, and I like his everything about it. But it's just like listening to a lot of it. It's I, I I'm not feeling like there's any uh, differentiation between albums between songs. It just kind of all starts to feel like the same. He's just sticking to his guns, and I'm fine with it. It's mm-hmm. just you know I'm not going to be interested for very long. My but attention rather, span is the size yeah. of a walnut. I get it. You'd rather listen to handfuls of tracks here and there if that's yeah. the style. And yeah, I'll tell like, you what, like, you... if you put on any single one of these songs. Just to play it, I'll be like, oh yeah. 
And even for like, if you're playing this album for like a car ride, I'll be like, oh yeah, this is a jam. But then if you're like, if I'm listening to it and then listening to the next album and then listening to the next album, it's like, you know, it's starting to grow on me and starting to get a little bit old. I just want something. So you 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 represent the what I first said when I first started talking about this. I said there's two ways to listen to this. There is the the surface level sitting on an island sipping a pina colada, that is very comfortably a lot of where Jack Johnson gets his listens and gets his sales. And then there's the deeper listening, the active listening that you I mean, which is fine. Uh, you know what? It's you, you're giving the perspective that Nick and I aren't of as a passive listener. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's okay. Now talk about the last one. Yes, it was okay. I'm just kidding. Bold. You know, I've done that a lot, that joke a lot where I say one sentence and then every like, time you've talked today, you've done that, dude. I have. Um, I think that with with this and ready, you're about to be proud of me. I think for the passive listener, you get a good message here about you know, conserve con conserve conservation. Cons- I conservation the message was just no, was no, no, no. orally given, I, I was I, I was gonna say like conservationalism or something like that is that a word environmentalism environmentalism that's, like that's what thinking. i'm thinking of yeah uh it, like you get it with the with the album cover i i think you know i mean at least i'm interpreting it that way i think he's on a beach and there's a bunch of pollution is that and i will discuss that yeah. I, i'm i'm okay i'll talk about i it. just wanted to make sure that's that it was coming across that way but you know and and then some of the songs you, you kind of i can't pinpoint them exactly but you're you're getting that kind of message, like you know, save the world, um, because otherwise we're all gonna die. Yeah, and I liked it, and you know, I, I thought it was good. I thought it got forgettable, but I I, I enjoyed listening to it. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Pat, so, you want to go? Yeah, I'll go. I'll, I'll let talk you close about it all out. the. Yeah. Uh, so I'll talk right about the album cover. Um, I encourage you all just real quick, Google it. It's all the light above it too. Jack Johnson. It'll be everywhere. It's the album cover. It'll show up. I'll give you a second to do that. Second done because we skipped that anyway in post. <laughs> uh, the album cover was shot on a beach on the Hawaiian Islands. So it's the windward side of the Hawaiian Islands uh, where the NPG is the North Pacific Gyre, I believe it's called, pronounced. Sure. G-Y-R-E, I think that's Gyre. Could be Gyre, could be Jeer. It's like, is it a Gyro? Is it a Euro? No idea. <laughs> Same thing. Um all of the plastic that was used in the picture, it's him surrounded by different colored plastics. All of it was found within a 90-meter radius of where he was within an hour. So, like, Oof. that's... And, and it's a ton of plastic. Yeah. Uh, so, they actually shot the uh, them getting the plastic and stuff um, for the You Can't Control It music video. And then they used it for the album cover. Uh, and he said that when he shot it, he didn't know it was going to be the album cover. He just planned it to be like a fun like project to do to promote awareness on pollution. But it's it like just right off of the bat, it's like a kind of kick in the kick in the nads a little bit. Like that's it, like it's it, incredible to look at how much stuff they found and just did that quickly within an hour. Yeah, and that just to be clear, I mean that's just plastic stuff i'm sure there was plenty of other garbage yeah that's just that yeah. they didn't include in the uh sure and that's not like there's a lot of people who go to like oh the most polluted beach ever no that's just a beach in hawaii mm-hmm. <laughs> and they just found whatever regardless now we'll get into the actual song stuff on the surface level you do get a ton of conservation environmentalism all the way through it's a huge theme of this album and it's it's obviously a very strong message. It's a good message. If you go a little deeper, 
there are some definitive. That's not how you pronounce that. I overpronounced it. You threw it. an extra T. But yeah, that's it's, right. it's very definitive. There's some political messages in here. Uh huh. And I will just mention them and I will let you draw your own conclusions. So definitely, there's the song called Subplots, which had some heavy political leanings. The song My Mind is for Sale was openly written about Trump. Right. And obviously this came out in 2017, so during the Trump presidency. It was recorded in November of 2016, so right in the beginning of the Trump presidency. Uh, and <laughs> Jack Johnson came out and said it's about him. So, you know, there's there's some stuff. And there's also Gather, uh, which talks about how everyone was focused on the uh, election. Uh, right. So there's some messages about conservation. There's some messages about politics. Very different Jack Johnson in terms of the depth, you know, because it was always under the surface, as Nick and I had mentioned from the first two albums, but it's much more surface level, but still having that, like, fun, fancy island sound. Yeah. It's an interesting yeah, no. It's an interesting juxtaposition. Sure. No, uh, I agree. I mean, I was going to say, I mean, most of my points are, like, he's still, in a lot of ways, not entirely, but in a lot of ways, still on brand musically. I mean... Uh, he's still writing really good lyrics. Um, and then I just picked out a, like a few little sonic things that I thought were interesting, which I'll sure. use to wrap up and then talk. Uh, one, the song You Can't Control It, I thought had some really interesting use of stereo. I mentioned this for somebody last week, too. I can't remember what it was. But it's nice when you get like somebody actually taking advantage of the fact that if you have stereo and you're listening to something on headphones, you can actually enjoy sound moving through space and coming in and moving yeah. in different directions. So I appreciate that as the listener through headphones to you know to get that added experience. Uh, and then the last song, Fragments, I just really liked the way that the guitar and the vocal melody lined up together. Uh, and I thought that complemented each other really well. Sure, absolutely. But otherwise, you guys have said everything I need to say about this. So let's grade Jack Johnson. Nick, I have a question for you. Please. Where were you on a, on June 10th, 2017? June 10th, 2017? Because you could have been at the BB&T seeing Jack Johnson with one of your other favorite people, Lake Street Dive. No kidding. That's yeah, before he oh, that's was awesome. into Lake Street Dive. I mm. may have been on a cruise. I don't know. Ooh, <laughs> that might be the year man. that I was away, yeah. But anyway. Wow. That's, I think that was that's the year before you got into them. I think that was 2018 or even 2019. Yeah. You discovered LSD. Yeah, that's correct. I was just about to uh, graduate high school. All right. Okay. You're an infant. Okay. We okay. get it. I'm going to have to get like a crying uh, just, baby uh, I soundboard. Cultural impact, Jack Johnson. I think it's good. I think he's a guy who I consistently also think put out good. hits. He has consistently oh, yeah. put out hits. He's consistently sold a lot of records and had popularity and charted really well. Um, so, you know, his first four albums that came out all went platinum and not just platinum in the United States, but they're going platinum or multi-platinum in all sorts of other countries around the world. Uh, he's charting really, really well, not just in the United States again, but also throughout Europe and in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, he's a relatively popular performer, and it's, again, not just isolated here. I would say he's at least looking around that average spot, if not a little bit higher, because he does have a significant number of hits to go along with that as well. Sure. Um, you're not going to get too many arguments from me. I think... I would lean closer to just average. I think. Yeah, I was thinking in the very low fives. Yeah, was. I think maybe even just on a five at at most for me. 
Um, I think that he is he's got Akana's fingers everywhere, which is you know he's mm. he's dabbling in a lot of different areas. I think he's got some strong messages. I think that the big cultural impact thing for me that kind of uh, doesn't give me a lot is that I feel like his his most recent album, the 2017 album, did have mm-hmm. some controversial lyrics. And the fact that he didn't trend or anything for that, it didn't, it didn't increase the sales. Yeah. I, I guess, just, but what just, if I told you, Pat, that he's a former professional surfer, and so he was very I'm in. I'm in to give him a surfing. 10. I'm just thinking, okay. like, there's, there's the argument to be made that he's not super deep into the culture currently, and that it's just a uh, lot of past achievements that would increase his score. I agree with that. There's, yeah. there's definitely a generational gap uh, that doesn't know who Jack Johnson is aside from the Curious George soundtrack. <laughs> and it's oh and God. it's me and below. And like, I'm you. being honest with you. Like, outside of Curious George, I didn't really sure. know who he was. All right, that's fine. I'll give him a five. I'm cool with yeah, that. Yeah, that's fine. Um, and his discography... Like I've already mentioned, he sells and charts well. He has seven albums, and I think we agreed that he will be getting a quality bump as well. Yeah. So just to be clear, I believe that he has sold about 20 million albums worldwide. Um, Sure. More than half of his albums have gone at least platinum. Yeah. And they're all good. So he starts a little bit above a five for seven albums. He gets a 20 million album sales bump, and he gets a these are good albums bump. Uh, how far do we think that puts him? Does that get him into the low sixes? Yeah, I'm thinking like a six-one. Yeah, just a little bit. You know, just I right think, there. I think that's about right too. Um, and instrumental talent, I think we hinted at it. Like vocally, he's pretty much kind of floating around the center. Like it's good. It's very pleasant, but it's not like impressive. Yeah. But he's sneakily very good at guitar. Like in a way that you might not necessarily realize it in the, unless you're listening to it. Like he's an above-average guitarist for sure. Yeah. Sure. So my um, number would probably be in the fives. I'm okay putting him in the fives. I would probably be under a five and a half personally. You guys may be able to argue me based because I didn't really, I didn't get the deepness in the guitar that you did. Um, but I trust you. But yeah, I'm thinking uh, right I around mean, like a five four maybe. I I actually I don't have a problem with that. I think that that's totally fine for me to get. Sure. It. Good. 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 Uh but I do would. I do want to go a little you bit do higher would. on songwriting You do would talent. what? I do would like to go higher on the songwriting I sure do would here. like to go. Uh, because I do think that he writes really good songs. I mean, there's there's not like a huge he writes really well variety. Songs. Yeah. There's not a huge <laughs> variety here, although like at times I hope they touched on I hope the audience can feel that eye roll. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they should. I'm sure um, I'm sure they do. You know, whatever. I'm not even going to explain. I just think he's a good songwriter. <laughs> now, nah, go ahead. Tell us, Nick. We're interested. I was just going to say, while he doesn't have a huge range of different styles that he goes with, he does, you know, s- take peeks into different instrumentations or um, genres sure. throughout his albums. He'll try little things here and there that are different from his um, his acoustic pop or folk, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I would call it pop or folk. Yeah. So <laughs> what number do you guys think? I do think it needs to be above five, but I'm open to discussion. Yeah, I mean, I'd be comfortable giving him, you know, in the high fives, low six range. Mm-hmm. I think he's above average. I think that the problem is to a passive listener, as Alex had said, it gets a little repetitive. That is totally um, And I think so that that would kind of prevent him from hitting those, like, higher echelons. Yeah, I I'm, think that I'm he okay dabbles that. in different genres for sure, but I think he stays pretty comfortably in his lane yeah. 
in terms then of I'm going to give him a six. Sure. But I would like to go higher for Poetic. And I would agree with I you. Because I think the Poetic talent here from Jack Johnson was, like, surprisingly really strong. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that he has moments of strength. I think that he writes with clarity. I think that mm-hmm. he... With a strong message. Yeah, I think that he is one of those people that's good at getting somebody who maybe doesn't agree with his message to enjoy the song. Sure. I'm going to compare him to Phil Oaks. I don't mean in terms of quality, because I think Phil Oaks yeah. is the better writer. But just in sure. terms of that specific thing of like, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, right. No, kind of flipping you off to your face and having you clap at the end of it. Yeah. Um, it certainly seems like like he excels in that. I agree. Um, so so I, I'd be comfortable you... going in the higher sixes here. Not, and I don't think in the sevens personally. Really? that's I'm kind of surprised. Uh, I mean, you, I could be talked into the low sevens. I, I, and it's probably pretty easy to do. To be honest, yeah. That, I mean, that's that's. I was definitely more in the seven range for okay. for his writing, and maybe it was just because I was so, like, it could be because of how surprised I was. But then think about what we have talked about as average writing on the podcast, especially with this season. And I would say even his more simplistic, like either like struggling relationship songs, like Flake. Yeah, that's above a five to me. That's better. Oh, than I the definitely agree song. with you on you that. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I mean, yeah, there's kind of a, to me. a grading. Like, and I don't even mean season. flake as a. Yeah, I don't even think a flake is a bad work to me. Like, just on that subject and that topic, and what is not like his strongest message or his deepest lyrics, he's still writing better than the majority of artists that we've heard from. Yeah, and then sometimes he's really strong. He's got some songs that are in the eights and nines to me. I definitely agree with that. I, I'll tell you what, I'm going to be honest with you, and I mentioned it in my review, mm-hmm. the song Sexy Plexi just kind of sticks with me. Yeah. That's okay. such a bad song. Yeah, That's I think such it needs bad to be, writing. I think it needs to be at least in the low sevens. Um, I, yeah, I could go in the sevens. If I'm your not, worst work is in the mid fives and your best work is in the nines, like you got to at least be me, in the I would, I would probably or, or put Sexy Plexi legitimately under a five, sure. but it's the okay. only one. Fair it's the enough. only one I can think but, of. Yeah. So how about like a seven two? Um. Yeah, I, I'm that's good with what I really, too. really want. I'm, a, I'm comfortable with that. Okay. Now, does he get five points for being a professional surfer? It's close. It's either zero or five. Here's the thing: I can name only one other professional surfer, and it's Kelly Slater. I couldn't have even done that. So, so. zero it is. Let's move on to Rage Against no, the Machine. No, whoa, 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 whoa! Uh, okay. Why is it so quickly zero? <laughs> I don't know. I was. I didn't expect Do anyone you have to actually uh, take the bait. We can on talk that. about how he has a charity that. Promotes, you know, music and art and stuff worldwide. We can True. talk about how at his on his tours, he uh, he like is very actively green. And like at, sure. at one of his tours, like they like a huge place had like a bunch of or, or had like a plastic free show where they gave out like metal cups for everybody to be using for the show that they got to take home. Like we could talk about that. I don't sure. know if that's. I mean, worth we anything. can talk about his documentary films. I don't know if that counts for anything, but he yeah. makes them. Yeah, let's give him his a name here. is has the same letter for the first name and last name. That's that's a five. good point. <laughs> he also has won uh, the Billboard Humanitarian Award. He's also won the National Conservation Achievement Award from the National Wildlife Foundation. I'm going to give right. him a point. Let's two. give him. Let's get. I was going to say a point three. Oh, I'm okay with a point. Let's three. do it. We'll split the difference and then round up to point three. I love it. Fantastic. Let's move on to Rage Against the Machine. All right, uh, Rage Against the Machine, often abbreviated as R-A-T-M or just Rage. Rat'em. Good old Ratum. I don't know why I just thought of Rock'em Sock'em Robots when you said that. Yeah. <laughs> Rock'em um, Sock'em. They're great. 
So uh, great, great. Rage Against the Machine has been active on and off. So 1991 to 2000, took a, a little bit of a break, 2007 to 2011, and then back again in 2019 and still going. Which makes sense uh, when you think about it because it's, uh, it's a group made up of different artists. Uh, the biggest yes. one, I would say, is Tom Morello. Um, I who would agree. we have discussed before as a member of Audio Slave. Oh my God, while we're on the Six Degrees of Totem Talks, I totally forgot to mention. Oh God. Uh, there's a super duper bonus track on the last Jack Johnson album called Willie Got Me High. Hi, there he uh, goes. In reference to Willie Nelson, of course. Of course. <laughs> wow, so one all the way from season one and then one from literally like last week. Yep. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Now uh, we can carry on. <laughs> Uh, so one thing I noticed about Tom Morello that I thought was interesting, his middle name is Baptist. That is interesting. I didn't know that. Um, just, But what, Rage Against the Machine. We're not talking about Tom Morello yet. I'm sure we'll get to him. Uh, so we did three of their albums. Uh, we did 1992's Rage Against the Machine. We then did 1996's Evil Empire. And then 2000's Renegades. Yes. Uh, so pretty... Pretty relatively not spaced. It's <laughs> a yeah, relatively right. tight window here for writing. Well, we'll talk about why the last one. I think I have a reason. Yeah, I would. But anyway, be. Al, it's it's all you. It's your turn, buddy. Oh, boy. I love Rage Against the Machine. I really do. I think that they are super inventive. And I think they have they have a very identifiable sound that like I think you hear any one of these songs on the radio in passing, you're like, oh, that's Rage Against the Machine. You know, they have that very, like, not many bands have done this before them. Uh, and you can tell, you know, they're, they, that they, they're influenced by not just the music they're playing, but by the music around them and by the world around them, too. Their lyrics get very political. I'll let Pat talk about that. But or Nick, I th- a poli-sci major. I didn't know he was a poli-sci major. Well, not anymore. When I was getting my bachelor's degree, I was. Oh, yeah. wow. Look at you. Anyways, I I think that their uh, instrumentation is super duper inventive and creative. I love Tom Morello's guitar playing. I know that, you know, that's a little controversial for some people in this uh, in this room. But I thought that it was, you know, super duper creative. I thought that none of the songs kind of, you never knew what to expect with any of the songs. Except for uh, Zach De La Roche. Uh, fucking screaming at the top of his lungs. All right. I can say the F word. There he goes. Because it's, uh, it's, you know, Rage Against the Machine. It's rage. You're allowed to curse. Uh, we get we get one F-bomb for PG-13, Pat. Just you you almost used it earlier talking about Finding Nemo. I know. I did, yeah. Dude, it was scary. <laughs> it came okay? really close. Let it, let it go. It was a scary yeah, shark man, scene. Yeah, man, I was five. It was I peed scary. my pants. I peed my pants, all right? Yeah, but you pee your pants Anyways. now at least once a week. I do, yeah. Anyways, I enjoyed the album. I thought Tim, uh, I think Tim Comerford is a very underrated bassist, and that's my take. And then you think every you bassist go. is underrated, though? Yeah, because you guys don't rate them. <laughs> hey, I rate bassists. You guys be like, "Oh, Flea is a good bassist." Get out of here. We haven't even done Chili. Anyway, Pat, I, I will exclusively to to refer to the Red Hot Chili Peppers as Chili from now on, though. Just Chili. Just I, we're having Chili Cheese Dogs for dinner tonight. Oh, fun fact wow. for you guys. How many bathrooms you got? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, my mouth and the Oh, oh my, oh my God. God. Cheese and rice, man. Pat, do you want to go next or do you want me to go next? I'll go next. Okay. Uh, so 
shockingly, I'm going to agree with a lot of what Alex said. Um, if you have heard me on the podcast before, this is absolutely not my genre of music. It's it's kind of rap metal, new metal kind of stuff. Uh, the last band that we did that was kind of new metal was Limp Biscuit, And this shows you that you can do this genre of music way better than Limp Bizkit did. Because I think that there's a lot of creativity used here. I think that the lyrics, while still containing curse words, I think that they are very strong all the way through. They have a distinct message. And the message isn't, girls suck and they're all subservient to me. It's instead, you know, different uplifting things about different political things, which I will let Nick, the political sciences bachelor's degree person, discuss a little bit more. Um, But just know that there are some distinct moments uh, as they go throughout. I Again, it's not a style of music I really enjoy listening to. Um, I do agree with you, Alex, that uh, specifically for me, Tom Morello has a very distinct sound that comes through very very clean on this. Um, I think Zach De La Rocha, he's got a, a I'm not going to say a good voice, I, I'm, but he's got a very distinct sound. Um, but at the same time, that sound that he has is done other places. I mean, you can look at like the Beastie Boys for that like kind of yelly sound. You can look at, um, you can even look at Limp Bizkit if you want to. I don't know why you'd want to, but you can. Uh, but he does it much better. And again, the lyrical content is so much stronger that it creates the want to listen to it. Unlike with Limp Bizkit, where I wanted to actually end my own life rather than continue listening to them, I'm fine listening to this even though it's not my style. Uh, one other shout out and one other little quick six degrees is uh, the song Know Your Maynard Enemy is yeah with Maynard uh, from Tool. So just another little another little bit. Yeah. So we have okay. Uh, that's it. Okay, well, much like Pat, I was gearing myself up to to hate this album and to hate this artist and all the albums, uh, and I didn't hate this album. Uh, I didn't love it, but I was really expecting not to like it at all, and I thought, for the most part, it was pretty okay and sometimes not even bad. Um, that being said, uh, what's good about this album is also what's bad to me. So, like, what's good is the originality. What's good is that they found their own style, that they do something that's very distinct, What's bad is that, particularly when Tom Morello does his Tom Morello stuff, I hate it. I can't listen to him play guitar. Like I, And most of the time, he's playing riffs and chords and doing other stuff instead of making weird sounds. And that's all fine. Like I, For the 95% of the time, I think his guitar work is just fine. And then there's 5% of the time where he's going... Yeah. Where I just, uh, like, oh, this is ruining the song to me. There was one moment, I don't remember if it was this album or the next album, I didn't write it in my notes, where he very accurately, like, had the repetition of, like, an ambulance siren, mm. which yeah, I, I, I thought was that. very clever. Like, I yeah. get where you're coming from on a lot of it with that screeching is, like, I'm sure, like, and then you're, as a guitarist, sure. you're much more sensitive to it, but there was that one moment I was like, that's really interesting that he's doing that with a guitar, Sure. when you could easily yeah, like, put that as a sound in post. Yeah. You, totally, and and credit to him for that. I mean, his whole thing to me, the reason why people like Tom Morello so much is the innovation part of it. It's just sonically, it doesn't do anything for me. Sonically, it takes sure. me out of the moment. Um, I don't know, other than that, like, here's the thing. This is the kind of music, like, if I was to ever listen to a Rage Against the Machine song again, 
I couldn't imagine listening to this band outside of the scenario of like, I need to exercise or go play a sport and I need to get pumped up to do that right now. Right. Like outside of that context, I can't imagine ever wanting to listen to this. And that being said, like I didn't think that the album was bad or anything like that. I just like have no desire to ever hear anything like that. Um, unless it's like in that scenario and this i listened to this album before i went for a run and so i think that maybe kind of contributed to the fact that i was like a little bit more pumped up and receptive to that type of thing sure evil empire however i didn't listen to before exercising uh and that affected it a lot for me honestly like i put like maybe i'm just less in the mood to be hyped up but the album does nothing for me at all like materially I don't know how different it is from Rage Against the Machine, but if you're if you're not in a certain head space, at least in my opinion, these albums do nothing for you. Like if you don't want to get hyped up, right. why would you listen to Rage Against the Machine? Like they're only to get hyped up to. Um, and this was like now I'm second album in. I'm like if if he could just keep the solos to like two to four bars, then like maybe I wouldn't want to die every time <laughs> he took a guitar solo. Uh, but he's not often doing that, which, you know, I just I have no tolerance for it. And here's the other thing. You guys keep like Nick really is into this stuff. He's going to talk about the lyrics. I have so much trouble understanding what Zach De La Rocha is saying at any given time. I barely caught a single lyric in all these albums. Okay. Like I've listened to them talk in interviews like I know that one of their big heroes politically is Noam Chomsky, who's super influential on one of their on their work. I also think Noam Chomsky is probably the most brilliant political philosopher of the last like eighty or ninety years. Like I totally agree with that. Like he's great. But I have no idea what your message is other than the fact that like I already knew culturally what Rage Against the Machine was all about. So I knew what their messages and the songs were gonna be. Yeah. But I couldn't hear or understand them as I listened to the songs. Like I couldn't get the lyrics for whatever like it went straight over my head. All right. Well, Alex, why don't you delve in? I thought this album was good. And I thought that you could hear more of their... What's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. You, I'm waiting for you to tell me. I'm trying to think of it. I can't think of it. Their signature you can, sound. Their... You can hear them reacting to to the ongoings in music around them. Okay. Like because in in this I heard a lot of um, alternative and 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 indie rock kind of stuff too as uh, in some of the stuff they were doing, um, and you and you can really like be like wow they're 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 influenced by a lot of people. I thought you know again Tom Morello was really good. Thought everybody was really good. Um, Love Bulls on Parade, man. Guitar Hero th- that takes me back to Guitar Hero Three. It was great. And uh, I don't even know what Nick's talking about with not being able to understand the lyrics because I even understood the lyrics, buddy. I couldn't understand anything. And, Maybe and it's one like of them. One of them was him saying, "You uh, haven't seen a black person since your family bought one." And I was like, "Damn!" Oh, that was one lyric that I did catch. I was like, "Damn!" That was like the, maybe the only thing. Now that you say that, that I totally remember word for word. And then beyond that, you know, uh, it's not it's not going to be anything to call home about. But I really enjoyed it, and I think you will too. Uh, okay, so I will say that um, this album accentuates all of the my previous statements. Uh, so again, not my style of music. It goes a little bit more in the in the rap metal genre range for me, which is typically a big no no for me. Um, just off the bat, I'm not in love with that genre. Uh, however, uh, yet again, it's a very strong message. And it's a very interesting message. 
and one thing we didn't talk about in terms of their message is just if you don't know what their message is, look at the band name. Literally, Rage yeah, Against that, the Machine. The Machine is basically government. It's basically the American government. Um, and, you know, this track, Evil Empire, it's based on uh, Reagan's kind of criminalization yeah. of the USSR, calling mm-hmm. them an evil empire. Uh, when uh, basically Zach De La Rocha in an interview was just like, yeah, you can say the USSR is evil, that's fine, but you, you can't say that we're not also evil. Like, the United right, States yeah. is just as evil. It's like a back-and-forth kind of thing. You know, hey, that's that's an opinion. They're a strong, opinionated band. They do it very well. Um, the song Bulls on Parade I find very interesting, especially considering everything that happened in the last five years, basically. Because Bulls on Parade is basically written about how America at the time was building the wall between itself and Mexico, the border, the fences. Obviously, that song came out in the mid-90s and in the mid-2010s, into the late 2010s, that conversation grew rapidly. (laughs) And uh, basically, it's just interesting to me that, you know, problems just repeat themselves throughout history. That's certainly true. And I just think that that's an interesting one right there. Like, you know, the problem that... You know, Rage Against the Machine is is raging about, pardon the pun, back in the 90s, still is rearing its ugly head today with this this new talk of the new wall and building the wall and everything like that, as had happened for the last five years. Um, and I think that all the way through, the messages are strong. And I just, again, this is such a good example of you can have that pump-up mentality, you can have that, you know, that same, you know, sonic feeling that... You would get as like, you know, as if you listen to Limp Bizkit and things like that. But the lyrical quality is so much stronger here. And they're still cursing, you know, like still the surface level. You could probably listen to the two of them and find more similarities than not. But the subject matter is so, so different and is coming from such a different place of like, I am literally like angry about the way the world is. And I want to change the world. And, and I want everybody to be as angry as I am. Like, it's hard to it's hard to put somebody down for having this strong of an opinion and wanting to, to proclaim that. So, like, I think that it's interesting that we've had three artists who have all been consistent and strong with messages. And I think that, you know, two of them were a little surprising to us. You know, mm-hmm. the Lumineers with that third album, mm-hmm. which heavily talking about the struggles of, of the people around addiction. And then Jack Johnson with his political stuff and also, like, his, you know, conservationalism, according to Alex, the environmentalism. And then, obviously, I think people who know about Rage Against the Machine know that they're a strongly political band. Um, yes. And, and that's, that's where I'm at with them. And then I'll, we'll move on to Renegades, right? I was third, right? Yeah. Which is different, because <laughs> this is a cover album. Yes, it is. Um, so it's pretty interesting. Uh, it's covers of artists such as Springsteen, Dylan, Africa Bambata, Minor Threat, Eric B., and Rakim. The Stooges, I'm not going to push the button for them. I hate them. Uh, <laughs> uh, MC5, The Stones, Cypress Hill, and Devo, and then a couple more. Yeah, it's all over the place. Yeah, a, a, a very interesting, a very interesting mix. Um, so, and then this is right, (laughs) 
they didn't tour for Renegades. One, because it's a cover album. How do you? Re- I don't know. It's a little hard to tour for that. And two, because this is right when they went. See ya, Zach. We're gonna just be right, Rage right. Against the Machine, but have Chris Cornell as the lead and call ourselves Audio Slave. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Which, granted, huge upgrade vocally. I mean, to have Cornell come in well, instead yeah. of Zach Delarosha, but um, it's it's not bad. <laughs> Here's the problem. It's not my style of music, and while they do have some different stuff, I forget which one now. Was it Beautiful World? Where they didn't rap. It was just singing. There was one song that was just I don't remember singing. exactly which one it was. Um, I'm having... I, I, I think it, might have it been was... I'm going to be honest with you. My notes disappeared as I swiped, and I, I can't figure out how to get them back up without okay. stopping, so I can't remember which song it was, but... That's fine. Uh, it, one of the songs they sang instead of rapping, and it was it was an interesting change. Uh, the big problem for me here is the big problem for me here is all of the lyrical depth that I've been praising them for obviously isn't here now because it's a cover album. These aren't their lyrics. These aren't their messages. And without that to kind of prop them up, this album falls drastically flat for me personally. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I will just summarize my feelings into a major positive and a major negative. So... My major positive, all of these songs are cover songs, but you would never guess if you were just hearing them for the first time that they weren't Rage Against the Machine originals. Very true. Put their own spin. Even if you know the song, you'd be like three verses in, you're like, oh my God, is that that song? Yes. Uh, Oh, fascinating. Uh, Now, my major negative is the first 51 minutes and 14 seconds of the album, which is all of it. Uh, I didn't enjoy uh, anything about this at all. It was really bad to listen to. Uh, I I will take the originals uh, every time. I, I didn't yeah, enjoy I, this I, you album. agree with like, me, right? Without that strong message, yeah, I mean, without the passion, I didn't, even, I didn't even love the first two. Like to me, the Lumineers and Jack Johnson top six albums of the week. It's not even close. And then there's Rage Against the Machine, and then a couple of more steps down is Evil Empire, and then like. 17 layers below the basement is is this album i i sure. didn't get any enjoyment out of it like at least with the other two rage against the machine albums there was like there were moments that i got enjoyment out of this was horrible all me. right alex what do you got to say i'm gonna start this off with some tragedy oh no i was listening to this album today you know as as one does for for the third time right you certainly weren't just finishing your listening today oh no i was and of course you are there, and and there's a tragedy today everyone spotify is crashing oh because they just they just put lyrics into their service and so everyone's spotify is crashing so Good. i was able to listen to a couple seconds of the song and then my spotify crashed and a couple seconds of the song so i had to go on youtube and by this time i'm 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 punching the clock guys like it's getting close and then uh i i, I so i listened to some of it and i thought it was it was you know it was all right I have a serious question for you, Alex. Before go ahead, if you, how many albums did you listen to today? How many albums nah. out of these nine? You don't want the nine. answer. You don't want the nine. Answer. The answer. Did is you nine. listen to all nine albums today? One hundred percent. Yeah. Of well, course. Are you kidding me? That knucklehead. Yeah. All right. Both. Anyways, I you know it was all right. It was it was an okay album. I I agree. You guys without a message, their music kind of falters, and it just kind of felt like. Like, if this were a show, maybe I would have been, like, a little bit more, like, oh, okay. You know, like, cool, they're doing covers. But I think it, it, it doesn't really stand on its own as an album. 
Yeah, and that's where I stand enough. with okay, it. Okay, so let's grade them. Let's let's let's, let's go right into it. Let's, let's grade roll them. right through it. Cultural impact. It's going to be our strongest there of the day, I think. Um, obviously, I more people know who Rage Against the Machine are. More people know who Tom Morello is. Um, Zach De La Rocha. Like they they have big names. They have you know the band itself is a big name. Um, I don't, it's just a matter of where we go. I don't think we're yeah. too high I don't above think it's crazy Jack Johnson. High I don't. But I would so put either. them in like the higher fives. Do you guys want to know a fun I'd fact? I'd be okay with that. Apparently, but sure. when, you know, every, the Black Lives Matter protest was happening, sure. apparently their debut album came back into the Billboard Top 200. That makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, but that's crazy. Yeah, yeah no. And it came I, back. Makes a lot of sense, though. Anyways, you know I think they're a little bit higher than Jack Johnson. Just a little bit. No, I'm not going to go crazy above the moon, but I think, like, or, or however much higher you're saying, I think they're a little bit more. Interesting. Okay. Just because I, I feel like higher fives. hold up. So what's 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 Jack Johnson? Five. A five. And you're in the higher fives. Eh, I'll go, uh, no, I think higher fives is okay. I'd like five point nine. Yeah, I'm I thinking I like right on the, on the upper echelon. Of, I was of five, five seven. So how about a five eight? I I'm fine with a five eight. All right. I just want to say one thing. Oh, that's oh no. You know what? It's an X factor. We'll, we'll no. talk about it okay. later. So there are four albums. There are yes. Approximately sixteen million in sales. Yes. So that puts them at around three albums less than Jack Johnson yep. and about three or four million less in sales, give or take. I know we have different opinions on the on the quality quality bump. Yeah, I, now, I say we go with mine, which is not taking or adding. Because you'd want to subtract. Because Alex, Alex would be above, add. I would be below, and you're in the middle. In and the I middle. think that makes the most sense as well. Yeah. Um, so they're wherever four albums and 16 million in sales gets you. Yeah, so uh, high threes, low fours? Uh, probably in the fours. I would say probably yeah. in the fours. Four, four, two, four, three? I'll give them a four, two. Let's do it. I accidentally just gave them a four. Now I've rectified that situation. You better rectify it. I did. I rectified. All right. Instrumental, Instrumental talent, talent. I'm, not, I'm not crazy on. I'm going to be honest with you. So I, I don't, I don't love it. You're ridiculous. I don't love it. I think You're Tom Morello. I think Tom Morello gets points because of the innovation of his style. Yep. Like I would never try to take that away from him. But yep. in terms of like, it just sounds like weird squealing to me, and it's not pleasant to listen to, yep. in my opinion. I disagree. Okay, um, I will talk because I know Alex. You're going to defend. Yep. Uh, I think that Tom Morello is an innovative guitarist. As I said. I Yes, I think he's a very innovative guitarist. I think that all the way throughout, the band is strong on their instruments. Actually, surprisingly, the one instrument which really just goes under the radar for me is the drums. They're just, they're just there for me personally. Um, mm. I did enjoy the bass, Alex, Mr. I don't care about bass. Sure. No, I did enjoy the bass. Um I grant. I don't necessarily know. That was enough probably the about, best part of it for me too, honestly. Um, I don't know enough about the intricacies of bass to call somebody a particularly great or underrated bass player. He's I good. go with. I go with trusting your opinions. Um, for me, the two biggest negatives are: it's hard for me in this particular genre of music. So, like, that's where I I have to be like I have to be pulled up and and told basically. Because it's so hard for me because this kind of wall of sound genre, I'm not really picking out the the the, the wow moments. And then mm -hmm. two, yeah, I agree. We like there has to be a detriment for Zach De La Rocha's voice 
there's no attempted vocals. It's and it's rap, and I get that. Yeah. But it's at times a little grating vocally. There's rap that's not grating on your ears, and like like for instance, I would give Tupac a much higher instrumental talent score than the Beastie Boys, both of sure. whom rap. One of whom yeah, yells into the mic, and one of whom has some flow. Sure. So that's kind of. I don't think that Zach De La Rocha. I think their message is great. I don't think he's got that rap flow as much. So that's where he would. That's Fair where enough. they would lose some points for me. So, so Alex, where, are you where are you thinking? Where Where are you putting them? I'd be willing to give them probably high fours, low fives in that range. I you was can also talk in me the up. low five range. You can talk me up because I I feel like you I'm, want to. I'm a to. low fives guy. Guys, I have a question for you. Yeah. Go ahead. So how much do you hate Zach De La Rocha's voice? I a decent find amount. it preferable to Tom Morello's guitar. I don't. How much I prefer do you Zach like, to Tom. How much do you like Chris Cornell's voice? A lot. Well, he's phenomenal. So is is that a 1.5 quality drop? Because easily. you guys gave Audio Slave a 6. I would easily drop, yes. And I don't, no, I don't think so. I think the I, difference I'm between, still in the low fives. I think the I difference go, between Zach De La Rocha's vocals. I'm going like vocals, 5, I, I think I'm, I'm a 6. I think the okay, difference I'm between like right Zach five, De La Rocha's one, vocals and uh, Chris no, Cornell's but vocals No, it's not vocals. They're huge. not singing. He's not singing. He's, All right, look. Pat, you're in the low fours, high fives, or mid low, ugh, high fours, low fives. I'm around a five one ish. Alex is like a six. I think we meet at like a five two, five three. Let's go five three. Five three. Okay. But yeah, I've hundred percent. I would five point five point three. Hundred percent. I'm having a rough time. I would give you yeah. that that level of difference between Chris yeah. Cornell and Zach De La Rocha in terms of their voice. Yeah, I agree, okay. but Easily. I don't think it's that big of a so, drop. And you're, th- and you're comparing it like as if he's trying to do the opera style. Nick's like, I just want this to be over. But opera. like, he's Are not you trying Chris to Cornell's sing. Opera? No, 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 no. But he's not trying to sing. He's not trying to do something he can't. He's doing what he does. And, you and gotta, again, to be clear, look, I preferred it to the guitar. I have been nothing but nice, but you can't call it good. Nah. Okay. I've been nothing but nice about the entire band. You can't call All right. it songwriting. All right, whatever. Songwriting. So um, I think there's innovation here. I think they definitely are looking at innovation points. Um, we are also looking at, to be fair, three albums because the fourth album is entirely it's covers. A cover album. However, but songwriting, I, they, yeah, I will say that their covers are significantly different from the original, so that needs to be taken into consideration. Other than the innovation and blending of styles, I mean, I'm not particularly impressed by the songs on an individual level. In terms of the writing, so like for instance, another band that had three albums this week was the Lumineers, who on a song by song instrumentation basis, I thought wrote much stronger songs. But sure. what they did was not innovative in the way that what Rage Against the Machine does. Yeah, I, so that's my comparison you. of two bands with like three original albums that we did this week. At the end of the day, I wouldn't mind putting them putting them a little higher than the Lumineers. For what they did differently a little bit three and yeah. three and change albums like maybe still in the higher threes i could live with cool like that. a three six or three seven max personally alex wait what were the lumineers lumineers got a three seven three seven three seven it is poetic talent I'll i take it back three eight three eight i take it back too late we moved past it all right it averages out to three seven anyways i just want to be okay. on the record poetic Fair talent enough. I'll let you guys talk about it because, like I said, I didn't really catch too much. I, I had a hard time understanding De La Rocha's vocals while they weren't as abrasive to me. Um, sure. I I didn't really understand what he was saying. 
Um, and so there are three albums. Here, definitively, they didn't write lyrics for a fourth album. So there are yes. only three albums to There's discuss. only three albums to talk about. Uh, where, it, where it lands for me is I think the messages are incredibly strong. I think the the moments are incredibly strong. I don't think the quote-unquote poems are incredibly strong. Sure. Uh, I mean, like, like the emotion I, is more important, and, like, m- emotion and repetition, at least for, like, Killing in the Name and Bulls on Parade are the songs that are that are biggest, that the ones that I at least could tell you a few of the lyrics to. And it's like, let's take a line and repeat it 25 times. Yeah. And, like, you get it because it builds and there's something to it, but at the same time it's also, like, a line 25 times. No, it's 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 because it's like like uh, I'm on Pat's side with this. Like, and I know you're not disagreeing, Nick. But like, I'm I not. think I'm I not. think what Pat's more saying is that there's no like poem quality to it. Like, they're not trying. They're not being deep with their lyrics. They're they're stating it. They're like, sure. uh, police officers also burn down churches. Like, they're just saying it. They're not trying to be like, yeah, like anything. They're not trying to disguise it at all. Which you know. Uh, bl- bluntness and and putting the point forward great but like in terms of like creativeness and actually like trying to be poetic i don't really know how much that stands on its yeah and the and the big thing for me too that really takes me out of songs and we've discussed it before there was a lot of really imperfect rhymes like really imperfect rhymes where mm. it's like oh uh, you know i Obviously, Alex, you mentioned like the rhyming dictionary um, criticism, the Lumineers in, the, in the earlier in this episode. Um, but there's stuff like in "Killing in the Name of" arguably their biggest song. "Bulls on Parade" may challenge it, but I think "Killing in the Name of" wins. I would agree. Um, yeah. Some of those that hold office are the same that burn crosses. Um, Is some that of those what up the in, lyrics were? Yes, yeah, some it of those say up office? in I thought it says forces. I thought it was some of those that work forces, not yeah. yeah hold but office. either way. I, so I'm reading the lyrics. It definitely could be forces. Fascinating. Yeah, I um, could have swore that it was, but right. But that also doesn't work. Yeah, <laughs> forces no, you're, you're right. and crosses also doesn't work. That's why he says it forces. Yes, but also um, the like as the lyrics are written, it's it's whatever. It's yeah. Well, what? Give me a score. Uh, Do you want to know what we gave the Lumineers? Would that be helpful for you? Yeah. They got a four point. Oh, you know what? It is some of those that work forces. The lyrics I was right. I yeah. was reading. Were I was incorrect. pretty sure. I was like, I was I'm pretty sure they're saying. There's that no way he says are members some of, the of those that offices. Well, listen, it could have been. It could have been, but um, yeah, no, you can't. Some of those that work forces are the same that burn crosses, right. which just hurts me personally. <laughs> um, I, again, I'm a little bit above average because of how strong the messages are, mm-hmm. but they're losing arguably for how strong and how dedicated the messages are, they're probably losing like a full almost two points for me because I could easily see a band with this level of dedication and this, and this type of strength of message getting in the seven plus range. And I'm in like the mid fives, five and a half. Sure. So where do you want to be? Do you want to be in the high twos then? Yeah. Based on three albums. So based on three albums, I want to give them like a, like a three. Okay. I can give a three. Sure. Uh, you said you had something for X Factor for me, Patrick. Oh, I do. So, in 2009, this band achieved its first UK singles chart number one. Oh, when I know. Killing in the yep. name of became the Christmas number one because of a Facebook campaign. So, in 2009, the number one Christmas song in the UK was Killing in the Name. 
and that's got to be an X Factor. That's amazing. <laughs> like, that's... That is good. Like, come on. Not yeah, Mariah Carey this year. Rage Against yeah. the Machine this year. And There is that also, if you spend as much time on the internet, you know, trolling around through these different things and researching. Have you got... You guys are familiar with the Tom Morello meme? Yes. Uh, somebody commenting on it, it's like, another successful musician thinks that they've become a political expert, and he's like, well, I... One doesn't have to be an honors grad in political science from Harvard to recognize unethical and inhumane things. But I do happen to be an honors grad in political science from Harvard University. So I'm going to go ahead and confirm that for you. Yes. And that's great. I'm actually really glad you brought that up because I did have that written down. And then like I guess my notes disappeared. Ah, gotcha. These guys do have a political background. Oh, yeah. Like they have the, the pedigree to write about these political moments and like have for some sure. pedigree to back them up. So thank you for bringing that up. And also, yes, that should add to some X Factor. Yeah. Okay. I think those two combined, is it? is it a point? <laughs> is it a point? It, it's not a point. It's a is it a point, a point eight? Let me put it this way. The Meow Mix got like point three. And the yeah. Meow Mix was the greatest thing that we've ever heard. Okay. But like point six. How about a point six? I think a okay. point six for the Christmas You're thing and the Tom Morello movie is worth it. I'll allow it. And now I have scores. Yes, score it up. And coming in third today, also known as last. You loser. Uh, is the Lumineers with an yeah. 18.5, mostly just because there are only three albums in their discography. Because I think arguably they put out the best album of the week with three. Yeah, fair uh, enough. And then winning. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Is Jack Johnson with a 30 on the dot. 30, 30 on the just, nose. Just squeezed into that tier. Wow. Wow. And then okay. In, in between, you've got Rage Against the Machine with a 22.6. Okay. And that's that. uh yeah, what a what a week. Uh it we sure was. we yet again ran long. Well, that happens. As we do. We ran yeah, it is it we've we've about an hour and forty five. So, All right, well, then let's get the hell out of we'll here. We'll see what the length is once I get some editing into it, but uh, that's yeah. where we're at, the raw recording. Uh, All right, thank well, then you I'll so just much. tell everyone. Yeah. yeah, tell us who's next. Come week. back next week. Uh, we've got a doozy of a show for you next week, that is for sure. Uh, the person I am personally most excited about is, of course, Joni Mitchell. Okay. Well, thank come you guys so much for tuning in. Um, like Nick said, come back next week. And uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna beat your ear because we are over time. So I'm just gonna tell you that we love you, that you uh, you're important to us, and that we're so glad you're choosing to spend any length of time with us uh, means a lot. And tell your friends. And if you're in the Bucks County area, come to a low totem show. Um, why not? But most importantly, have a great day. Mm-hmm.